Welcome one and all to episode 181 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we are almost, almost, technically we are there by the time this will come out. The Combine shenanigans will have started. Um, and that's going to be a lot of fun, man. I mean, this is this is lying season. This is all of that. And we're going to get that right now um, started. And, and we'll probably have a little bit of the rumor mill churning on, on the Patreon episode later this week. But it's it's getting to the fun time of year here, right? This is my favorite week to do this show every year. Like uh, the combine is where <clears throat> I feel like when we get to this point before anybody has done any athletic testing, this is kind of been our strong suit over the years because we we uh i like to think back when we were at the old draft breakdown we were one of probably one of the first if not the first show to really dig into the old uh testing metrics that that these guys posted in high school and then trying to figure out like how those were going to translate to what they can do um and some people will, will argue that those don't translate at all but we'll make Throughout this, the course of this show and throughout the course of the season, we'll make an argument of how we think that they can be somewhat predictive. So this is always one of my favorite times. We're going to mostly talk about guys we think are going to to stand out in a good way based on what they've done uh, up to this point, what we know about them athletically up to this point. But first, we've got, we're going to run through just a, a couple of news uh, and notes items uh, the first one is Bryce Young. He's, he's not going to throw. And um, we know we've that been, guy. We've been telling you guys this for <laughs> two months since he declared, basically. I think his focus is on gaining weight right now. And um, he's going to try and get as close to 200 pounds as he can. Todd McShay said he's 5'10 and a half. Uh, I think that might even be a little bit generous. But either way, we know Bryce Young's small. Uh, this This is nothing new. He's not going to throw. I don't have a problem with that. I never have a problem with those types of decisions. But we do know that Stroud, <clears throat> Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson all intend to throw as of today, as of the taping of this so, show right now. So Kyler came in at 5'10", but 207. Right. And this is something he, we've talked about. he plays in the 210 range now. Right. He's become a, a thick boy, if you will. It's, it's um, the weight that's the issue, right? Because that's right. why we don't have a good comp. And I've talked about this uh, several times over the course of the season, where you have three quarterbacks since uh, 2001 that have measured six foot one and under, and 210 and under, and have gone first round. And that's Michael Vick, and that's um, Kyler Murray, and Johnny Menzel. Okay. That's it. Since 2000, those are the only three. And I bumped up my, you know, to do that query, I bumped it up to 6'1 and 210 when we expect Bryce Young to be under 5'11 and under 200 pounds. So that just tells you what kind of outlier I, I, dude, he is. I, I legit think he's going to come in over 200. I think I think <laughs> they're giving him the Elvis diet. Like he's going to be, he's going to be yoked up. And then I won't be surprised if you see him do a throwing session without much other work at Alabama's pro day. At his pro day, right. And, and then 
we never get real testing numbers on him. And it, it's 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 fine. I mean, because like I said, we know it's he's fine. small, but it's funny money because you know for a fact he's not going to play it that way. He never has. He, he's no. playing. He's playing in the one eighties, low one nineties tops. I know Dane Brugler suggested that he uh, would come in. He predicted that that Bryce Young coming at one ninety seven. And again, I mean, like I said, make it two ten, make it six one. You still only have three guys in the first round, and that's what makes him such an outlier. And so, I mean, you know, McShay, in one breath a week ago, said he's mini Patrick Mahomes, and in the next breath today, uh, said, and we're taping on a Monday as usual, uh, he said, if I was an NFL GM, I'd be scared to death to draft him. And I kind of subscribe to that. It's I don't think Bryce Young stinks, not by any means. I think he's really good. He's Here, just such an outlier. It's just Here's my troubling. thing. I'm fine if you are Seattle at five and you have Geno in there, Las Vegas at seven and you don't move. Hell, I'd even say Detroit at six because you got Goff there and you can kind of utilize Young in a similar way. You know, he's going to probably be a superior player to golf but you can utilize him in a lot of similar ways here's where i'm completely 100 percent out if you are anybody anybody moving up to one i'm out completely because that's too much of a risk like it's one thing to throw this year's first round pick at it it's a completely other thing to give up multiple picks and let's be honest that rarely works in and of itself. I mean, outside of Mahomes and I guess maybe Deshaun Watson recently, like what quarterback has, which guy have people moved up for and it's worked? I mean, well, they, and they moved up for them in the tens, right? right? Same with Justin Fields. He, he was a uh, 10th. Um, but you can even extend that. I mean, to, Teams moved up to one and two to take Goff and Wentz. Uh, the Bears moved up to two to take Trubisky. So it's risky. I, I get what you're saying. Like if you, if you can sit and wait and he falls in your lap, then you're more comfortable with it. But are you still comfortable with the fact that this is like the biggest outlier quarterback in the last 30 years in terms of right. size? No, 100%. And that's... It's, it's, a, it's a problem, I think. It, and it's something that you're, you're staking your reputation on if you take that as a GM. Um, we saw John Dorsey kind of stake his reputation on Baker Mayfield, who is six foot and over two, I think two fifteen ish, maybe close, you know, a stockier guy, no doubt. Um, albeit a much less athletic guy than Bryce Young, but, um, it didn't work out. Dorsey was fired in two years. Yeah. And I'm just kind of going back like through there, like you said, Trubisky, you know, they went up and got Mahomes at ten and Watson at twelve. Right. Um, and remember eight. the 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 Texans traded up to take Watson at twelve, and their first round pick that they traded their uh, the <laughs> the following year ended up being the fourth overall pick. So that didn't have an immediate payoff by any means. It actually ends up costing them quite a bit uh, when you think about it. So it's a very very risky move. And uh, and we well, talked about and it. even they, like, like when we did our mock, there's no the Colts are not trading up to number one to to 
take Bryce Young. You can throw any of those mocks out the window. Chris Ballard's not trading up for Bryce Young. Well, and you look at it, I mean, you you can go even more recently, you know, uh, the Jets went up to three and got Sam Darnold. <laughs> and then, you know, Josh Rosen. Um, right. I guess it worked for Buffalo, right? They went up and got Josh Allen. So, I mean, there's one that worked and, out. You know, it, it did work, you know, in the intermediary, at least. I mean, for Texans when they got Watson before all this off-the-field stuff. And it definitely worked out for the Chiefs, for right. sure. Um, right. But you're also talking we're, – we're talking about, um, you know, apples and oranges when it comes to size-wise for these guys, too. Right. Because and that was kind Bryce of – Bryce Young is just so small. It just – when you see guys like Nate Tice from The Athletic comparing – Bryce Young to Doug Flutie. Is that the comp that you want? A guy from 30, 35 years ago? That Doug Flutie's best known as a college player. He won a Heisman for throwing a Hail Mary in like 1984. Seth, you weren't even born. No, I was not. So it, it, I don't think those are the type of comps that you want. And again, it's, it's not that I think Bryce Young is going to be a bad player. I just think you've got a lot. You're, you're setting yourself up for challenges. By drafting a guy who's 5'10". And you, you're seeing all these analysts. Oh, he on, on tape, he sees the middle of the field just fine. Okay, that's, you know, that's fine. But um, we've seen NFL teams, it's a different level, even than the SEC. And we've seen NFL teams get wise to these shorter quarterbacks and make things more difficult for them. And that's just a fact. The number one overall player, and we're just going to use what the consensus is right now. So the number one overall player, Jalen Carter, is not working out. You and I have got some questions slash theories on this. I think the first thing is, you know, and people don't like historical testing numbers too much. But when you look at Jalen Carter's testing coming out of high school, he's only put on about 10 to 14 pounds. Um, and he did and we not, don't even know that, you know, we'll right. find out this week. He did, And he didn't exactly test like a Supreme athlete coming out. Um, he, he was, he, he was fine. Right. Right. I mean, at 300 pounds to give you an idea at the opening as a young guy, you know, 18 years old, he ran a five, one, five 40, which we expect. And we've said on the show, we expect that to improve around five seconds. He ran a four eight four short shuttle. His vertical was twenty eight point seven inches. His his uh, powerball toss, which you can kind of equate to the bench press, was really really good. It was forty five feet. Uh, I think that's how they measure it, right? Um, but anyway, that that translates into him repping over you know well over twenty reps, about th- almost thirty, right at two twenty five. That's kind of the equation that the spark guys will make. All that's pretty good, but it's not otherworldly. So I think what you were saying is our theory is he's been gassed up so much. Everybody's uh, all big draft is saying he's the number one player. Why work out? Your workout numbers would be fine. If, if he matched those numbers or even slightly improved on them, those are fine. But we know there's going to be defensive tackles, and we'll talk about those guys throughout uh, in, during the course of the show who are going to make those numbers look kind of average. Why do that? Why subject yourself to that when you're already been um, 
gassed up as the number one overall player. So I still go back to Quinn and Williams. Like, I think that's where I'm going to land on my comp, like for a high-end prospect, which is really good. I don't want people to think that's a negative thing. And he tested out at 6'3", so we'll see what Carter comes in at. But he tested out 4'8", I think that's going to be a little better than what Jalen will do. But 4'8", is not like out of this world either. It's, it's, seven, it's really good for a guy that big. Right. But, it's I mean, it's still 70th percent. But I agree with you. I think that's faster than what Carter would run. I think he's more in the 4'9", 5 area. And then the vertical's 30 and a half. Again, very good. And I, I could see Carter touching that. And then the broads, 112, which is actually more impressive than the vertical. That puts yeah. in, you know, so. We're big broad jump guys here because and, that, that's more the explosive, like, outward movement that a football player has. Yeah. And so. They're not basketball guys. And so, to me, those are, those are really solid numbers and I think would, would put him in a good spot. Um what i mean i just i guess i'm like is it it's probably smart of him not to test at this point right exactly it's just like evan neal last year where he was billed as a freak and and he was going to test pretty well but he wasn't going to test as well as some of his peers but he was already gassed up as the number one tackle in the class and potentially the number one pick at one point at that point, you know, pack it in, do your on-field workouts, work out at your pro day where you're comfortable. You have nothing to gain really by going out there and, and testing because all these big draft guys have already solidified your standing. Um, I'm, I support Jalen Carter's decision not to do this. And, and, you know, our listeners know that we've done mock drafts. We put it, we're still putting Jalen Carter like three or four or five in this draft. When we're you know, doing mocks. And, and it's really interesting because we've talked about a lot of guys, you know, Williams being one, um, a guy that I think is really good and has been a really good pro, uh, Deron Payne. There's another, right. you know, stat- that was actually statistical uh, Carter's comp. comp coming out of high school, according to 247. And, and you look at it, like you said, he, he's a little bit bigger at 311. I don't think Carter's going to show up at 311. But he he was a four nine five guy, twenty eight and a half inch vert, uh, you know, a little. He's going to be le- a huge ticket free agent this year. Yeah, and and a four seven one short shuttle, which is a, what a tenth of a second faster than what Carter ran in high school. Yeah, in high school, and then twenty seven reps on the bench. Like I feel like that's and and like you said, he's going to be a guy that gets paid. He had a huge, huge year. He had double digit sacks. Right. Um, what was again year four or five? Right. Yeah. And and so that's kind of what we've been banging that drum. Like, don't think Jalen Carter's going to have 10 sacks as a rookie. Um, he's not Aaron Donald. You know, he's not that type of player. But by year three, by year four, you could see that double-digit sack season. And we totally um, – we believe that. We think it's it's going to be more of a slow burn. And that's why we don't think he's the top player in the in the draft. Right, and so you look at. I think he's Payne. a good player, like a right. really good player in this class, but not the top one. Well, and we've talked about it, right? Like Quinn and Williams, you know, it took it took four years for him to hit double digit right. sacks. You mentioned Payne this year. 
uh, first year double digit sacks. And and I mean, you look at it. Uh, another for, one was Dexter Lawrence. Yes. With the Giants this year, finally, <laughs> you know, coming through with with some pass rush, and um, you know, that's that can apply to some of the other bigger guys. We we talked about Jordan Davis last year, how athletic he is, and how we like that that leaves room for pass rush potential down the road. We didn't see it year one, but maybe year three, year four, we start to see that. That's where we are with Carter. And I think there's going to be more athletic defensive tackles, which, again, we'll talk about coming up. Dalton Kincaid, the number 10 overall player on Daniel Jeremiah's big board. Is, he dropped him one to 10. He was nine like 30 days ago. Out of the combine, I'm assuming he will get measured yeah yeah he's there he will not work out though but he's dealing with a fractured back they so downplayed it too they're they're like it's a minor back fracture that he suffered in the last game of the season um i i get it a fracture uh is different than like a, a disc or some kind of degenerative um condition um there was a big concern when gronkowski came out he had had back surgery and missed his whole junior year. I don't think it's that, but it is. It's just funny to see uh, the big draft guys who are really, really um, juicing Kincaid's stock. Daniel Jeremiah's compared him to Travis Kelsey and called him a more athletic Zach Ertz. Like you're really setting this guy up. He's going to be. He's not a young pup. He's going to be 24 in October. And he's coming off this back thing. Apparently, Kincaid's going to be healthy enough to maybe give a go at his pro day. So that's something to keep an eye on. But what's interesting to me is going to be Kincaid's measurables because we've talked about this, Seth. He's 6'4", 240, according to the Utah team page. That makes me think he's a little smaller than that. And he's being compared to guys who who came in at the combine 6'5", 255. And uh, and and performed very well in athletic testing. So I think the comparisons for Dalton Kincaid are quite lofty. Um, I still think Michael Mayer is going to be the the top tight end in this class when all said and done. But uh, we'll see. And 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 I am invoking Michael Mayer's name right now because we're really not going to talk about tight ends the rest of the show. Let's get into who we're excited to see. We're going to run through the list, um, talking just you know about a couple guys in each in each uh, category. So let's start with quarterbacks because typically this isn't a great um, you know place for them to show out, right? Because one, they're throwing two guys <clears throat> that they don't have a rapport with. <clears throat> unless you're super athletic, you're not showing us anything impressive, but there are a couple guys that are going to be interesting. And the first one is a and, guy that's and real quick. I will say, I don't think as a quarterback, it's pretty rare that you, you're really not going to lose ground at the combine, right? When's the last time a guy came to the combine and um, worked out and people were like, Oh God, we were completely wrong. That guy stinks. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It, it For quarterbacks. Happen. Yeah. So the pro day is the end all be all with right. the with the off season for the quarterbacks. So 
the first guy though that we're excited to see that you know has everybody kind of buzzing right now is Anthony Richardson of Florida, right? Yeah, I mean because he he's he's so enticing with the tools. He's gonna be six four, six three and a half, six four, two thirty plus. He's gonna run well. He's gonna throw, and um, he says he's there to compete. So that makes you think that he's going to just do all the drills. Like he's not given any indication that he's going to s- skip out on anything. I think he's got something let me, to prove. Let me, I was going to say, let me ask you this. Is that something to prove? Is yeah. that taking a shot at the other guys? No, no I don't think so. I, I think it's all about him, something to prove. Because a guy like this, he knows he's physically maybe the most gifted guy in the class. So. He's been working out, I'm sure, preparing for the draft. And he's going to go out there. He's going to show his preparation. And he's going to put up his size and athletic ability against the rest of this class. And I think it's going to look good. You know, how could it not? He's bigger than uh, Levis. He's going to be more athletic than all of these guys. He's got a rocket arm. Uh, there's nothing to lose here for him. And it's, it's much like Cam Newton in 2010. You know, it's a very similar situation. The thing that Richardson has is he, he wasn't an accurate passer at Florida. He something like a 54% completion percentage. It's been a really long time since a guy uh, with that low of a completion percentage has been a first-round pick. But I think he's out to... To show that you know, if not the, if he's not the top guy in the class, he's one of the top guys. And we mocked him at nine to Carolina. That's been a popular pick. He could be a guy that that teams trade up for. Maybe they there's something that that they see there uh, that he's Cam Newton or that he's Justin Fields or that he's um, you know a bigger Lamar Jackson. So I think he's going to do. He'll do well for himself if he goes through all the drills. We talked about the quarterback weights, obviously Bryce Young, but the other one to watch is Dorian Thompson Robinson. Is he going to crack 200 pounds as well? I, uh, I honestly don't think either Young or Robinson is going to uh, eclipse 200 pounds. DTR came in at 191 at the Shrine game. I think they're both going yeah, that's to a be, quick. That's a quick, you know, 10 pounds in a month, right? I mean, I could gain 10 pounds in a month, but I'm 44. So I mean, it's a struggle not to gain ten pounds in a month when you're when you're this old and you have a you know a sit down job. But for a young guy like that, I think it's it's a challenge to put on ten ten pounds of good weight in a short amount of time. We we talked about DTR coming in taller than what people expected, um, which which was a positive. And to him, uh, to me, it's it's not nearly as important for him to 200. Um, for Bryce Young, if he hits 200, it's going to make whoever loves him the most feel a little bit more comfortable with the pick. But honestly, it, to me, it makes no difference with either one of these guys. They're both slight, slightly built, and um, it, and that makes it a, a tough projection to the NFL game. It just does. We should see pretty 
good workouts if they both choose to work out from Max Duggan and Will Levis. Both should test well. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about the 40s aren't the biggest thing, but their vertical jumps and short shuttles should should be impressive. The running back class, man, this is a fast running back class. And I think we're seeing more and more Isaiah Pacheco's out there at this point, right? Like, those are the guys that are going to start getting the looks. This is, that- a, this is like if Isaiah Pacheco had produced at a high level at a Power 5 school. So Isaiah have- Pacheco averaged like three yards a carry at Rutgers. Power 5 school, but he just didn't didn't get it done. We Now we... we I, I think your point is he was electric athletically and once put into an environment that was friendly to that, you got to actually see what kind of player he was. Devin A. Chain, Keaton Mitchell, Izzy Abaconda, and Ty J. Spears are all expected to run at or sub 4-4. Yeah. And then Izzy might break 40 inches on the vertical jump as well and he's about 215 he's one of the bigger guys he's he's kind of high cut think like uh build wise think like tevin coleman right but he had a good career and he was a day two pick i think izzy abanaconda is going to be one of the big risers from the combine because he's going to come in at a good weight for running back 210 215 and he's going to blaze right uh, A-Chain might run sub 4-3. We know he he was like Olympic sprinter speed coming out of high school. The problem with him, he and with Keaton Mitchell, who also is supposedly a sub 4-3 guy, uh, they're both under 190 pounds. So what do you do with a running back that small? It's, it's kind of rare for those guys to go top 50. Uh, A-Chain coming out of the SEC, and uh, over six, uh, almost six and a half yards of carry, he's going to go higher, I think, than Mitchell. But Mitchell's kind of the poor man's a chain in this draft. And and Spears, we know had a really uh, impressive Senior Bowl week of practice. But the, I guess there's some medical concerns about his knees. But again, he's a four-four guy. Another player, Seth, who was super highly touted coming out of high school. Who's going to run in the four fours and who had a sub four second short shuttle coming out of high school was the, uh, he was the number one running back in the class, according to uh, at least a few recruiting services. That's Zach Evans uh, from Ole Miss via TCU um, guy who's always split carries. So I think that's going to be a knock on him. He never was the bell cow, the guy, whereas a, a player like a Bonaconda, had 30 carry games for 300 yards. Zach Evans never had that kind of thing, but he's a he's an impressive athlete and a player who I think is being a little overlooked. It won't be that way. The combine's going to send people back to the tape on Zach Evans, and and I will give credit to Fantasy Twitter. They've been on Zach Evans for a while. The wide receivers, another. I mean, athletically, just a group of a lot of interesting guys. The first question is, uh, will Jackson Smith and Jigba work out? We haven't heard. Um, you know, we, we don't expect him to be a, a four, four guy, uh, maybe high four, fours, low four fives. 
Um, but he's supposed to be really quick on the short shuttle, which is, you know, important for for wide receivers. But then the rest of these guys, they're gonna they're gonna blaze, right? We got a lot of fast guys. I think I personally think that Jackson Smith and Jigba, if he runs, and, and that's a question because the injury, the hamstring slash suspected knee injury they suffered going back to that first game of the year against Notre Dame, there's a concern there. You know, he, he doesn't want to re-injure himself during workouts. My understanding is he's going to at least run through uh, the positional drills. Uh, but this could be a situation, as Dame Brugler pointed out, where he opts to uh, just do the positional drills and not run, a la Drake London last year. Well, Drake London still went, what, eighth overall? And we know that probably the most impressive aspect of, of uh, Smith and Jigba's game is his route running and change of direction. So that that's something to keep an eye on. But to your point, the rest of this class, uh, at least high-end players and even some day three types, Jordan Addison, Josh uh, Downs, Jacob Copeland, uh, Marvin Mims, Rasheed Rice, Jalen Hyatt, of course, and and Tyler Scott, and even Rakeem Jarrett from Maryland, all of these guys might go sub 4-4. And a couple of these guys, especially Hyatt, and Scott, from what we've heard, might go sub four three. We could see some impressive vertical jumps as well between um, Downs, Scott, and Quentin Johnston, who we didn't mention in the forties. Johnson right. and, and, and Johnston's expected to run like a low four four. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see what he measures in at. Actually, I think it's going to be six three to six three and a half two ten to two fifteen, which would be really strong because he, he's going to have very good testing if he does participate um back to to uh scott and hyatt i know we've we've talked quite a bit about hyatt um he ran a 431 out of high school cincinnati reports that scott ran a 429 you know and both these guys did have 40 inch verticals plus uh or i'm sorry not hyatt but uh downs and and uh Scott both had 40 inch plus at the opening when they were in high school. So really impressive uh, athletes, because especially because when you consider Downs and Scott, those guys are 5'10", 5'11", 185, 190. They're they're not big guys. Johnston is a big guy at, at jumping that. So the little guys doing that is a little bit more uh, expected, even yeah, though it's still very impressive. It, it's yeah. it's really impressive. <clears throat> What about Justin Shorter? I mean, the Florida receiver is supposed to be 6'4", 220-plus pounds, and he's supposed to be in the low to potentially sub-4'4 range. Right. He was a five-star recruit. He went to Penn State. Uh, I think he he played one of the All-Star games. I think it was the – I forget. He was at so the Shrine. Okay. so And he came in 6'3", 6'8", 6'3", three-quarters inches uh tall 226 i think um but he, back in high school coming out he ran a 444 at at a good weight he was already plus 215 back then okay so that that goes to to what we talk about you know the body type hasn't changed 
Now the exposure to the training, to the type of weight training and the and the uh, draft prep, that suggests he's going to at least run that fast, maybe faster. Justin Shorter is going to be. Think about Donovan Peoples Jones a few years ago. He went, I think, fifth round. He's become uh, the Cleveland Browns' number two receiver. He's had a couple of very good years, and he was a, a big guy, bigger guy, not quite as big as Shorter. A good, a great tester. And but not the college production that you wanted for one reason or another. Shorter kind of falls into that trap, and somebody's going to get a, a steal on day three with this guy. Offensive line, you had an interesting note from uh, draft Nick Josh Norris. Yeah, Josh Norris, um, he's been on this for a long time, and it's a really interesting point. Uh, this he tweeted this earlier. On Monday, and and um, I'm quoting it. He said, "Since 2010, just 28 offensive linemen recorded a 4.47 short shuttle or better at the NFL Combine. 24 were drafted. Those 24 went on to start 84% of their NFL games. It's a cheat code. So that's that. That's what Josh tweeted. I've known about this for a long time. In fact, you and I have talked about this even going back to the old draft breakdown days." So following up on that, I actually replied, kind of quote tweeted, tweeted Josh and uh, mentioned that Paris Johnson and Wanye Morris, uh, the offensive tackle for Oklahoma, right? By way of Tennessee. Yeah. Those two guys both ran four or five short shuttles at uh, 295 pounds and I believe 312 pounds respectively. So if you think about that, both of those players are going weigh, going to weigh in at 10 to 15 pounds within that, that range. Uh, I think OSU listed Paris Johnson at 305, and uh, Wanya Morris, I believe, was listed at 317. So just a 10 and 5-pound difference, respectively. Those guys are offensive tackle prospects, obviously. If, if either one of those guys hits... You know, you talk about Paris Johnson, he's going to be a high first-round pick. Wanya Morris probably is going to be more like a, what What do you think, a third, fourth-round pick? Yeah, probably. Maybe even later. But you're you're going to get really good value for that, okay? I'm going to add some more names for the show, and I'm going to tell you why I didn't tweet them. <laughs> uh, but Steve Avila, from uh, the guard from TCU, Jake Andrews, a uh, interior lineman guard slash center from Troy and Ricky Stromberg from Arkansas, who I believe is a center and probably will get a look at guard as well. Those guys all were in the four or five um, or better range when they tested out of high school as well. The difference is all three of these guys have gained a lot of weight. They've put on a lot of pounds since high school. And it's kind of the inverse here. They, when offensive linemen put on a lot of weight, they might get a little slower. They might lose a step. I still think all of these guys are going to be good testers, especially for interior O-line. I'm not sure they're going to get that 4-4-7 mark. Like, for example, Strong, Stromberg has gained over 30 pounds. Avila uh, did his short shuttle at 4. And, and by the way, Stromberg ran a 4-4-6 shuttle in high school. So he was already better than that 4-4-7. Mark, but it was at 280. Now he's like 313, right? 
uh, Avila did uh, ran in the four four five four five one somewhere like that at three hundred. Now he's three thirty. At least that's where he's listed. So it's a little tougher to project like that. But all of these guys have a shot at it. And um, I'll also add Skronsky, Peter Skronsky, um, because we don't have historical data on him, but he's coming out of Northwestern. We've seen really good testers at uh, offensive line coming from Northwestern, and he's supposedly, supposedly he's going to do very well. We just don't have historical numbers for him. On the defensive side, we've got some really fun guys. Um, let's start. Let's start with the up front. Kalijah Kansi is supposed to be a freak, but we've got some guys that could test just as well, if not better, than Kansi. Right, Kansi uh, is. He was on Feldman's freak list, but he's expected to come in around six foot two eighty. Really, really small for. Uh, defensive tackle and but we've heard 40 times sub four seven on him like he's going to be people say you know don't compare this guy to Aaron Donald fine but he's coming from Pitt he's undersized he's had a lot of sacks albeit about half of what uh, Donald did coming out of Pitt it's hard not to make that comparison and I think uh it's 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 not a favorable comparison to Cansey, right? It's more like Cansey's like the day two version of Aaron Donald, you know, if you're helmet scouting and, you know, size weight scouting. But what you have here are Brian Breesey, uh, who I think is, uh, we talked about during our mock draft, he is the size comp for Jalen Carter and he's going to test better, I think. And this guy's been through the ringer uh, between the ACL injury and between his his younger sister passing away tragically from a brain tumor. This guy's been through the ringer. He, there's no question about Barisi's mental toughness. He's an outstanding athlete. He's going to test really well, provided he, he goes through the workouts. But even if he doesn't, uh, the historical testing on Breesy suggests he's a better athlete than than Jalen Carter, and then you got Jalen Redman and Dante Still. Dante is it Sills? Yeah. Okay, from West Virginia. Yes. Redman from Oklahoma. These are two guys on the older end of the spectrum, a little bit undersized, but actually project as better uh, athletes, and, and as far as testing goes, than than Carter. So if you look at the the value here, you might get Jalen Redman and uh, Dante Sills on day three, as opposed to trying to take a projection as a pass rusher in the top five. So there's value to that, right? Yeah, and that's one of the questions we always have. Is I think it was Eric Stoner, R.I.P. Right? Uh, that came up with the 80 percent rule right like right if you can I think get he's a, still alive too just yeah just r.i.p from twitter yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i hope i assume so yeah uh but you know it so yeah like Jalen carter at three or a guy like uh you know redmond 
on day three. Like what are, you know, so it's just always interesting to, to go through those and see where, where the fit is and how it works out. The defensive end edge group is, is really intriguing and it's going to be even more intriguing because Will Anderson said he's doing everything. I love this. I was talking to um, our, our buddy Luke, who's uh, on Twitter at Lake Effect Pro. And, um, you know, I always love uh, talking shop with him. We were talking about Will Anderson working out because, as I said, Jalen Carter has been so pumped up that he, he has no reason to do it. Meanwhile, Will Anderson now has been usurped as the top defensive end by Daniel Jeremiah by putting in uh, Tyree Wilson. So Will Anderson, I think, has a chip on his shoulder. This is what Luke and I were talking about. There's this chip on this guy's shoulder to go out and show that he's actually the best defensive player in the draft. So he's saying, you know, F it. I'm going to do everything, at least as of uh, this taping on Monday night. Will Anderson is game. He's going to do it all. And I love this. Um, And the thing, well, I love it and I hate it too, because I hate it because a year ago, people were telling us he was the best player in the draft last year. And now in a weaker draft, he's not even the fifth best player or the fourth best player. Like I like that he has a chip on his shoulder and he's, going to try and, and and just like stick it to people. I think he's going to do great too. Um, the the question I think is how much is he in a way, but he's projecting confidence in the fact that he's saying he's going to do it all. So, and you know what? So, say he comes in at 240, 245. Who cares? If he, if he works out and blows people away, it, it doesn't matter. He's going to be fine. Uh, we've over the course of the season, we've given examples of, Pass rushers who've been um, smaller than that and ha- have excelled. Most recently, we talked about Hassan Reddick. Um, so, you know, think about your Arizona Cardinals, Seth. If they get Will Anderson, he's bigger than Hassan Reddick, and he's going to, um, you know, Jonathan Gannon's scheme. So I think this is, you know, it's going to be a great week for him as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, that's the biggest thing for him. Um we also have a bunch of guys that should blow up the combine. Derek Hall from Auburn, Miles Murphy from Clemson, BJ Audrey Larry from LSU, Lonnie Phelps, and then Isaiah Foskey. Yep. But and Phelps maybe, uh, from Kansas, for yeah. those who don't know. And the one thing I'll say about that group, only Murphy is getting first-round run, right? Right. So I think I think I've seen some of Hall and Ojolari at the back end around one, and maybe uh, Foskey, depending on. I I really haven't seen Foskey much in the first. I know Brugler, a uh, Dame Brugler, um, <clears throat> poo pooed Foskey as a, a day one prospect. But the thing is, all these guys are going to test really well. The guy that's going to create the biggest buzz is going to be Zach Harrison from Ohio State, right? Absolutely. This is something that when we did our mock last week, we were talking about Tyree Wilson, uh, 
one of the things we talked about was Wilson being a 24-year-old rookie. Um, you know that we factor – I'm sorry, 23, 23, correction. Um, but one of the things we, we do talk about is prospect age because we know that that matters to NFL GMs. Now, teams will talk themselves into older prospects, but here you have Zach Harrison. You look at the comparison. Tyree Wilson is uh, 6'6", 275, 35 and 5 eighths inch arms. That's the expectation. Zach Harrison, 6'6", 272, 35 and 3 quarter inch arms. Okay? And he's a year younger. Okay? Now, Tyree Wilson has some better production. If you look at it from the Big 12, but Zach Harrison had his best year as a senior at Ohio State. He was a top 12 recruit, according to 247 Recruiting. Top 12 overall. He was the number two defensive end in his class behind Kayvon Thibodeau. He's, he, he had solid production coming out of that uh, Ohio State um, program where they heavily rotate their defensive line. It's not like he's Chase Young or, or whatever. But this guy... Don't be surprised if he runs a sub 4.5 with a 36-plus inch vertical at 270 pounds. He's a freak, unquestionably. And uh, you you might get Zach Harrison on day two, maybe in the third round. And you're getting a guy who has been coached up by Larry Johnson Sr. He's got a variety of pass rush moves. He's a powerful guy. He and again, coming off his best season where he forced several fumbles, um, had some sacks, had a lot of pressures, really impressed a lot of people this year. So I think that people are going to be buzzing about this guy. Don't be surprised if Zach Harrison is a big riser after this year, after this week. Linebackers have become defensive backs in terms of testing. It's be come kind of comical almost how athletic we're seeing these guys um and it kind of started i mean it's been around for a while but like ryan shazier was the one that really jumps out to me as the guy that kind of changed everything back in 2014 right because he was a four a sub four four guy yeah I think what yeah. happens too is you, what you're what you've seen over the years is guys moving from more athletic positions to linebackers just because when they get to college, they, they grow and they bulk up. We saw not just Shazier, but Darren Lee. Remember, he was a, a quarterback, an option quarterback in high school and grew into a linebacker. And then a couple of the guys we're talking about right now, they were defensive backs that grew into linebackers. And, you know, you look at it, you start with um, Trent Simpson of Clemson, who – these these Clemson linebackers, man. I mean, we know about Isaiah Simmons. These guys test maybe better than anybody, and which is absurd when you think about it. I mean, Simmons was six four two forty, and ran sub four four with a thirty nine inch vert and a hundred thirty two inch broad jump. Like it's hilarious to me that Clemson linebackers test better than their receivers. Right. <laughs> Are they putting guys in the right position? You've got uh, Owen Papoa, who ran a four four seven 
with a 40 inch vert and a four second short shuttle coming out of high school. He's uh, uh, he, another one of Feldman's freaks. You've got a guy that may not even be healthy enough to test that I think is, we, we mocked him in the first round, but I think he's been severely undersold and that's Nolan Smith. Um, we, he was, you and I talked about Nolan Smith. We really think he could be like somebody, some team is looking what the Cowboys did with Micah Parsons and they're thinking we can do that with Nolan Smith, right? Yeah, because out of high school, he was just under 40-inch vert, 4-5-1. He was the number one player in that class, wasn't he? Uh, I think so. I think you and and I I I said I may have misspoken because I said Zach Harrison was number two DE behind Thibodeau, but Nolan Smith was also in that class. They were definitely the top three in that group of pass rushers. Well, and you look at it, I mean, outside of um forty. Smith's probably going to test better everywhere else than what Parsons did. And that's not, and Parsons tested extremely well, but I mean, he was, and only is putting it very mildly. He was only a 34 inch vert um, with a four, four short shuttle. So we're not talking about like, he was probably not, burned out from running a four, four, three, four. Three, yeah, yeah. four, three, six, 40. Yeah. Yeah. But <clears throat> And so that'll be what's interesting about Smith is like, you know, we're not saying he will be or is going to be Micah Parsons, but like he's got a chance to test similarly if and when he does work out. And one of the points about Smith, too, and what we're trying to to say um, about these guys overall, he hasn't really changed. The body type hasn't changed much since he got to college. So. If he, if he doesn't work out, you have historical data of this guy at his size, basically what he is right now, doing freakish things. So don't worry if your team takes him high. He, he's going to be uh, an, it, easily an NFL caliber athlete. D. Winters and DeMarvian Overshawn um, should run in the four fives, if not better. They're true linebackers, but they move from like DB. You kind of mentioned it. Yeah. These guys grow into linebackers. Yeah. Winters was like 190, 195 pounds coming out of high school as a safety. Overshawn was uh, similarly built. They both put on some weight, but both going to like good strength programs. And and I think if you watch the uh, college football playoff and the Big 12 championship game, you saw D Winters all over the place. I don't think there's. A lot of questions about his uh, instincts. When you look at the corners and safeties, the defensive backs are impressive. This uh, cornerback this, class is is lit, right? I mean, this yeah. is an impressive, impressive group. We'll we'll run through the safeties real quick. Uh, Brian Branch, Ronnie Hickman, probably the best bets of big names to test well. Um, there's going to be guys that test well because there always is with safeties that you know. There'll be some going... guy from Southern Miss or something that we don't know, right? Well, and the, and those guys usually end up going sixth, seventh round. Um, It'll send was... us back to the tape. Cool. Well, who was the guy from Arizona a couple years ago? Remember that was like a uh, that played at Cincy. Oh goodness, and 
I think he was. Gosh, you you would think I was it Cook, the guy who went to Kansas City? No, no, he was a safety. Uh, who was it? I'll figure it out because it's gonna bother me now. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there's always gonna be safeties that. There's always uh, James got... James Wiggins. Okay, yeah, and, there and and there's like you said there. There are going to be guys who test well. We don't maybe have the historical data so that we can predict it. But like you said, that those guys generally tend to go late anyway. Right. Like there's going to be a guy that comes in that's 5'11", 215, and then runs a 4'4 with a 40-inch vertical and a 127-inch broad and puts (laughs) up 25 reps on the bench, and you're like, who is this guy? Don't fall in love with the numbers because he's probably going right. like, to like we said end up going in the in the 7th round as a as a say or as a gunner. Um, and that's the thing, that's why we we single out Branch um who is being mocked in the first rounds. He is expected, you know, clearly the productions there when you look at him, he's a Swiss army knife type of safety. We talked about him playing slot playing in the box, making plays behind the line of scrimmage, in coverage. He's going to run at four, in the four fours. Ronnie Hickman, who, I, I as, an, as an OSU guy, I'm not telling you he's a day one or day two pick. I don't think he is. Um, but he's going to, he, he's got good size, and he's going to test well, as at least as far as 40 and um, your jumps. I think he's going to test explosively, change the direction. Might be a different story. I think he had a pretty good year overall until he got into that uh, Georgia game where he got kind of turned around. But um, that's why we single those two guys out. They're going to test well, at least from the 40 time. The corner class is going to be ridiculous. The corner hearing, class is so stacked. We're hearing sub four threes for a couple guys, including first rounder Christian Gonzalez and day two guys in Travis uh, Hodges. Tomlinson, who was the Jim Thorpe Award winner, I believe, right? Yeah, and he's he's only like five seven and a half, five eight, um, but he's feisty, and um, I you know I don't think I I would not draft him to play a corner outside, but um, I think you got the speed and change of direction and ball skills that is going to make he's a guy you want on your team. And then DJ Turner from Michigan, who those guys. Lately, they've been turning out some freaks now that Harbaugh's kind of entrenched there, even though he flirts with the yeah. NFL every year, right? <laughs> and they have a great strength program. I'm not ashamed to admit it as a, as a Buckeye. Michigan puts out some – there are going to be – we talked about uh, Maisie Smith, who we didn't mention tonight when we talked about defensive tackles, but we talked about him in our mock on uh, on Patreon last week. He's going to be a freak too. Uh, DJ Turner supposedly runs a four two eight, and um, you you don't have a ton of on ball production. He only played uh, he only played on defense really two years. I think the rest of the time he was mostly a special teamer. He's another guy who's kind of slight. Uh, I think they list him at six foot one eighty, but he he can burn it. Um, definitely going to be a a guy who works his way into uh day two consideration. So it's a fast class. And we haven't even talked about Keely Ringo 
and you're you're familiar with him going back to high school. This guy's going to jump out of the gym, right? He's going to run and jump, and he's going to be like 210, 215 pounds doing it. Yeah, I think he's going to be the closest thing we're going to get to Patrick Peterson testing-wise. I, w- I was going to ask about that because of the what all the the draft buildup to him feels so much like Jalen Ramsey to me. Because that whole year Ramsey was coming out, the draft Knicks were trying to project him as a safety and saying they couldn't change direction well and he didn't have a good year. And that's so much what it feels like with Ringo. Um, and and he tested, yeah, he tested out of this world too. I mean, you look at right. it, these guys, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned Peterson, six foot two nineteen, and he ran, um, a four three one with a 38 inch vertical and a four, four zero seven short shuttle. Uh, Ramsey came out at six one two oh nine, So probably a little smaller than what Ringo is going to come out at. He yep. was a four, four one with a 41 and a half inch vertical and a 135 inch broad jump. And That's you know, insane. like, like you said, people were down on a short shuttle, but it was sub four, two is four, one, eight, which is, like our cutoff, I think we said was four two five for cor- for a lot of corners. So and 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 a lot of that depends on the scheme, but you see with these guys, it's you. It, it's so funny because we are you know we make fun of you know go, uh, just watch the tape, watch the tape, and then it gets to the combine, and um, a player will run like you said, maybe a 4-2 short shuttle at cornerback, and all of a sudden, there's a faction of draft Knicks who will just be like, well, I'm out on this guy. He doesn't... Well, what happened to the tape, right? Right. Where we'll... We are big numbers guys here on this on this show, and we have been for a long time going back, but it's always in context. And when it's a 6-2, guy running a 4-2... It, uh, short shuttle. It's a little bit different than when it's a guy like, uh, um, you know, the, the TCU kid that you just mentioned, Hodges Tomlinson, running a four-two shuttle. When when it's a little guy doing it, uh, he's a little stiff. When it's a big guy doing it, yeah, that's that's a decent time. So you have to put it in perspective. Devin Witherspoon's gotten a lot of pub. He's got to come in. Low to sub four four, right? At, his At this size. point, I think he absolutely has to. I mean, you're he's being hyped as what uh Daniel Jeremiah's fifth or sixth overall player, and he's older than these other corners, he's skinnier. Um, he doesn't he, he may or may not be as fast. I like it's very curious to me why he is um almost universally considered a top ten player in this class. At this point, it's it's very strange. And again, it's not this isn't that we think he's not a good player. We we actually think he's a very good player. If you go back to the summer of 2021, I was talking about Devin Witherspoon on our Big Ten preview on Patreon, right? I think he's a really good player. He's but I I'm not sure that the highlights that you're seeing on Twitter translate to um being a top corner in the NFL, being a, a, a top 10 pick. There are other players I would take ahead of him. Um, if he's going to justify that for any GM, he's got to run 
<clears throat> in the four threes. And um, again, this is a guy with a slim build. And you've got these other bigger corners like Gonzalez, uh, like Ringo, uh, that are just, it's, it's going to be hard to justify taking an older, skinnier, slower guy if these guys do what we expect them to do. Emmanuel Forbes, we're going to have some questions about his size. He's supposedly playing in the two, or sorry, two, geez, that would be much better, 160 range. That's but what he, uh, I think Lance Zerline reported that. And you go and look, and he hit 40-inch in the vertical coming out of high school. He's not going to be a f- sub-4-4 four, four guy, but he's going to be a sub-4-5 guy, and he's been a huge on-ball production guy, right? He's he's the best on-ball production guy in the class. I think he has 14 interceptions and six pick sixes in his career, including three this year. Um, I don't know that he's going to be a sub-4-4 four, four guy, but like we talked about when we did our mock, if he's a sub uh, I'm sorry, I don't know if he's going to be a sub-4-5 guy, but uh, we talked about Martin Emerson coming out of the same program, running uh, slightly above a 4-5. Uh, he's, he's a bit taller, longer guy. Uh, he went in the third round. Forbes is a great value pick for me. I, I, I think we mocked him in the first round. He might not go in the first round, but if he goes on day two, he's a fantastic player. You see the explosiveness. He posted a 40-inch vertical almost at 150 pounds. So if he's slim, uh, you know, nobody's saying Emmanuel Forbes is a top 10 pick like Devin Witherspoon, but they're listed at the same size, six foot 180. And uh, you've got the explosiveness from, from Forbes and the on-ball production, which is um, better than any corner in this class. So you're talking about going back to that 80% rule. Do you want to take Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois in the top 10? Or do you want to take Emmanuel Forbes uh, from a program that had uh, one of the best rookie cornerbacks in the league last year in, in Emerson? And you're going to get uh, Forbes in on day two. So it's a value play. Cam Brown, Julius Brents, Tyreek Stevenson, and Miles Brooks were all 39-plus introverts coming out of high school and four, five, 40 guys. Um, Brown was allegedly a sub-4-3 guy before his Achilles injury a couple of years ago at Ohio State. We know that they run the 38-yard <laughs> dash. It. I all I know is a couple of receivers came out of Ohio State running in the four threes last year. They both had over a thousand yards as rookies. So, and I mean, this is just going to be kind of a really athletic class. I mean, that's just it's all there a is fast to it. class at, at, and, at the very least. And 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 to be. To clarify, I don't think Cam Brown is <laughs> a day one or day two pick. He's probably a late day three or undrafted free agent, but he's going to be fast. And it's just going to be interesting overall um, to close this out because we've got a lot of athletic guys, and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with guys like Ringo versus Witherspoon when Ringo 
does everything better, right? Well, it it kind of raises a question about these big big draft guys, right? Um, some someone like Daniel Jeremiah today puts out his top fifty pre combine. It's the first top fifty he's put out since uh, post senior bowl or maybe pre senior bowl. I forget what it was, but it's regardless. It's the first one that he's put out in a month, and he's got guys with wild swings, right? Emmanuel Forbes in his top 50 drops 17 slots. Why? What has happened since the senior bowl to the combine, which has not taken place that has caused Emmanuel Forbes to drop 17 places. What has happened for Kalijah Kansi to be the 30th overall player when he was not ranked on Daniel Jeremiah's last list. Okay. Keely Ringo, Brian Brisey, both those players, um, young, really athletic, coming from big time programs, they're both dropping into the 40s, according to Jan- Daniel Jeremiah. Why? Why is that? What is happening here? I think there there's a legitimate question that these media guys really do impact these players' draft stocks. And you will hear people on Twitter, you will read these tweets, and, and people say, well, it's not really the case. Um, these NFL teams have things decided by December or whatever. It, that That's all bullcrap. It's completely false. These media guys have influence. They absolutely do. There's no denying it. Um, you you might want to whitewash it, but it's a it's a fact. And uh, we saw this with uh, Mike Mayock back when he was the media guy, because lo and behold, this guy gets hired as a GM a couple months ago, or a couple months after putting out his you know fifty top fifty. Now Daniel Jeremiah is that guy. To say that they don't have influence is BS, and. Uh, but I think it's wrong. I mean, I, I just think that if, if NFL teams are following this stuff, they're missing the mark. Um, I, I think it was Rick Spielman on a podcast recently did say that they followed the mock drafts and put them into a database. But he did. He also said that in, in his experience, they didn't put too much into it. But when a guy like um, Jeremiah, a guy with heavy media influence, a guy who's been a scout, is saying this guy's dropping for whatever reason. I think that has sway, and I I don't really agree with it being that way. But that's the way it is, and it's um, to deny it. I think it's just false. Anything else before we get out of here? No, we'll forego hot takes tonight because I'm. Hundred percent sure we're gonna have um, a bevy of hot takes throughout the week. Only two or three. <laughs> Probably. So, I mean, I don't know if anything's gonna get as hot as uh, Adrian Peterson was not a good for a generational <laughs> prospect. Do you want to talk about? Let's talk about that. <laughs> let's throw it in there. So, I don't know. I don't know what's happening. I think people just uh, go on Twitter to. Say things. <laughs> well, the running backs don't matter 
thing has poisoned a, a whole position group to a lot of tweeters. Yeah, and so uh, Marcus Mosier started it. I've got legitimate <laughs> questions about running backs entering the NFL draft. Can you be a generational running back prospect without having 4-4 speed? And then Peter Bukowski said, I'll take this like five steps further. Can you be a generational running back prospect? To which at Pitt 323 said, yes, Adrian Peterson absolutely was. And Bukowski then dug in, which is always intriguing. Uh, hindsight, AP went seventh in his own class behind Leron Landry. Also, Levi Brown. Thanks, guys. You didn't bring <laughs> that up. Come on. He became a generational player, but was not a generational prospect. So NFL team stupidity means that a guy can't be generational? Like, the Browns took Gerard Warren third overall before LaDainian Tomlinson. Does that mean that LaDainian Tomlinson, Tomlinson wasn't... was not generational? I mean, it's such a... It's such a clown take. I mean, come on, man. You you got he said he Adrian he, Peterson played till he was like thirty five too. He was a he machine. Was, yeah. <laughs> he said he, this was. I mean, he more takes, but he was an incredible collegiate player and became an incredible NFL player. He was not a generational running back prospect. I don't know what else you need to hear. So, um, I think people are. Just trying to get their takes off. <laughs> As usual. I mean, my problem is, my problem with this is that. We're um, old now. And no. We need, that's these not, guys I mean, got to get off our lawn. That that too. But um, first of all, what is, what's generational mean? It, it's. Well, it changes it every year. Because people say Jalen Carter's generational. And then they're going to say that. And then someone else is going to say Adrian Peterson wasn't. Okay, so whatever. It's it's almost meaningless unless you sign up for our Patreon on the generational tier for four dollars a month. And then by the it's way, if you, if you haven't, meaningful. right? I was going to say, uh, and if you haven't got the tongue in cheek of that, um, <laughs> maybe don't sign up. Well, we that. really to to us, if you sign up for that tier, you truly are generational. But going back to the prospects, I mean. Like, so it, it's just there. Th there's not been a position so poisoned uh, as running backs. They they've been the most crapped on position, and and then when the draft comes around, everybody loves watching them. And then as soon as it comes time to pick them or pay them, they're just completely interchangeable. It's this fantasy football. Fantasy footballification of of draft analysis, and uh, it's it's just such uh, it's so I, it leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. I hate it. Um, I think running backs are valuable. I think they can be good, and I love a great running back as much as as anybody. Um, and I think running backs who play 60, 70 percent of snaps are more valuable than some of these other positions. Or some of these other players. You know, you want to talk about, why doesn't anybody talk about linebacker like this? Routinely, teams find linebackers in the middle to late rounds. How uh, that dare are, you talk about the Arizona Cardinals this way? 
I know. I know your team loves to pick them in the top 10. But, um, for example, like the Bears found uh, Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin. That sleeper power five and perennial 10 win team, Big Ten team. They they find this starting linebacker uh, in undrafted free agency. But nobody talks about linebackers the way they talk about running backs. The way they talk about running, they're like, his EPA is negative three. And, and it's like, who are you talking about? Oh, Nick Chubb. And it's like, come on, man. Like, this, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know why there's this vendetta against running backs uh, to the point where somebody would say something as silly as that Adrian Peterson, well, he was only seventh pick in his class. Yeah, that's what we mean. Um, when the NFL makes repeated screw-ups and doesn't take a great player earlier than they should, that's that that's a ding on the player, not the dumb league and the dumb analytics behind it. Right. And, you know, the Cardinals took Levi Brown. Like, there's not much else to say, you know. They yeah, took- well, positional value says that, you know, it should have gone number whatever. It, it's It's stupid. Well, and that's the thing is like they took the second best offensive tackle after Joe Thomas, and look how that worked out for them. I mean, instead of just taking the generational running back prospect, <laughs> so you go ahead and mock, you know, uh, a guy. And we talked about this, Seth, on our mock last week between the, uh, this feed on iTunes and and Patreon. Where we said, like, do you want it? Yeah, I think it was when we took um, B. John Robinson at, at 20, what was it? Oh, that was like 31 with yeah. Philly. And we said, do you want the best running back in the class? Or do you want the sixth best offensive lineman? Or the fourth best defensive lineman? Um, that's, a, that's a question that you have to grapple with. And I think if you just flat out say that one position just doesn't matter. Like that's just it. It makes me cringe. I hate it. I hate I can I can explain it. to you why kickers matter because I've watched the Cardinals not make the playoffs because <laughs> they lost three games on uh, kicks. So yeah, every you, so yeah, kickers matter. Should should you take kicker in the first round though? I mean, right. but I, I don't mean that. I'm almost undermining my own point though. But um. Kicker is just like a completely different animal, right? Like, it there are so many free agent kickers on, you know, available at any given time that have kicked in the NFL. But when you're talking about a running back, the way guys talk about running back is if you could, just, it's 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 uh, I blame Mike Shanahan because it's like, well, Terrell Davis was a sixth round pick, and then they just put in uh, Olandis Gary, and then they just put in Ruben Jones. Like, it doesn't work that way. Even Kyle Shanahan traded for Christian McCaffrey. Come on. Anything else before we get out of here? No. We've already extended it beyond what I wanted to. But I think it was worth getting that off my chest. All right. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back later this week with the bonus episode. Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. That just something kind of what I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, 
subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes, four dollars a month for all additional content, something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That Just could be it right a, there. A read, yeah. That's it. Right there. So, exactly. <laughs> 